Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet again another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you get to hear stuff. And tonight, we're in episode 498, and it's another mask mandate here tonight, so uh, I've taken off my mask because I'm sitting alone in a windowless room, and Commander Cam is joining me alone in his windowless room. Commander Cam, welcome back. Why, thank you. Um, uh, don't mind me and the sound of me sawing on the walls. I'm just, you know, not making windows in this windowless room. Just no, you know, you're, ignore you're, those noises. You're you're not allowed to do that. I, I have reinforced concrete around the room, but uh, we <laughs> we did we did put in a little uh, a little peek hole so that you could get into the Soylent Green Snicker Snack Bar. Thank you. Uh, Oh, you're welcome. Well, I'm I'm still expecting my gift as we move closer and closer to episode 500. All right. Well, we will see what we can do about your gift. Um, you know, it, it, it like I said, it's uh, it's uh, bigger than a bread box and smaller than a supernova. I don't like the fact that it's smaller than a supernova, but what the hell? Um, hey, I wanted, before we get started, to say uh, hi to uh, Scott Knoll and, and all the the guys, uh, all the dreamers over at Dreamforge, Anvil, uh, who we got a chance to talk to last weekend uh, at one of their uh, dreamer workshops. Uh, we had a good time, did we not? Oh, heck yeah. We had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, to, like, getting them to believe that we knew what we were doing when it comes to the podcast. <laughs> and, yeah, well. it had, and it had a great time discussing good books and what makes good books. And, you know, what as far as our, we were concerned from a podcast standpoint, for people that read, you know, close to 100 books, or at least I read close to 100 books a, a year for this thing. Um, you know, what makes a good book? It was a lot of fun. Isn't it amazing how we con people into believing that we know what we're doing. I know it's absolutely amazing, Dom. I don't know how we've kept this going this long. Oh, good lord! It's just amazing. We are oh. not recording, right? You know, this is not live, right? Oh, we're recording. Oh, oops, oh, sorry. I should. Have what do you think now. the little red thing in the corner is? <laughs> we're absolutely recording this. This All is right. a con job. I'm the biggest con. You're the second con, and. Uh, but we don't have a con for a friend tonight. For a friend, we have an old friend of the show who comes by every year because he does one of the coolest things we've 
we've we've we're lucky enough to talk about every year. His name is Dan Abella, and Dan is the the head guy of the Philip K. Dick Film Festival. Uh, Dan, what year is this for the Philip K. Dick Film Festival? Uh, well, first of all, thank you, thank you for having me, uh, having me again. Um, Are you kidding? I, this is this is like a yearly rite of passage at this point. Yeah, I mean, I really look forward always to chatting with you guys and sharing some of our exciting um, films. So uh, this is actually this marks the ninth season. Holy crap! Good for you. Time flies, you know. It's amazing. It's almost. This yesterday. is like the fourth or fifth year you've been on the show talking about this. Yeah. And I mean, uh, we've been through some through some weird shit with this show. I mean, you've been all over the world with it. You've been through the pandemic with it. Last year, if I'm not mistaken, last year, I believe the PKD Festival was the very last festival in New York City before the pandemic shot every, shut everything down. That's right. We were the last train out of Dodge. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then the world went dark. It sure did. It sure did. I mean, that's uh, a lot has happened. Uh, it's almost like we've been a kind of a time warp <laughs> for the last 18 months and, and on going on. So uh, but that hasn't stopped uh, so many talented filmmakers from making films and getting them out to us. The so, one that the one thing that never stops during any kind of like horrible time like this is imagination. Exactly. That never stops. So this year, the festival is September 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Producers Club Theater and Cinema in New York, New York, the city that's coming back to life. So they named it twice. And, right. and God, you know, I sat here when, when, when you guys called and said, hey, we're back and we're better than ever. I said, how, how in the hell is this possible? that were better than ever. So the first thing I did was I looked at the roster and I went, this is three days where I could just like, you know, sit and, 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 and just watch and watch and just sit in a chair and watch and do nothing for three days. And that would be enough. But as if that weren't enough, like I don't even have to go to New York for Sunday because Sunday you're actually live streaming the entire event. Um, for those who can't make it into into NYC, um, holy crap! You can you can live stream the Sunday event, and how does that work? Uh, live stream is uh, the films on live stream will only be shown on Sunday, so. Uh, we just did not have enough time. Didn't have enough time to include. We're actually screening over 100 films, uh, screenplays, and VR installations uh, this year. Uh, so, which first, holy crap is more than you've ever done, I believe. It's pretty much it's, it's, it's very close to our, our max. But then again, we got this year we had over a thousand submissions. I'm not even, I don't know exactly the number, but it was is a fairly large number of films uh, ranging from sci-fi to uh, supernatural to surrealist to psychological thrillers and so on. So documentary, it, don't forget, you've got you've got some of the most powerful documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, 
the documentaries have always been a a good part of our program. I'm always I always look forward to them. Yeah, I mean, there's one of them, and, and I can't remember where it was. Uh, there's there's one on on uh, on robots and AI. Uh, and I think it's on, on Sunday. It's on Sunday, yes. And the and the director will be available. Even she, Holy shit! What the yeah, hell's the name of that one? I'm trying to find it's, it. Uh, the, well, it's, it's named after Charles Darwin's book, The Origin of the Species. Um, and uh, it, it's uh, basically how we're uh, inaugurating a, a new type of species, a kind of sentient robots. So the director of the film will be available, or the documentary will be available for Q&A after the film. Oh, yeah, there it is. Origin of the Species 2020 and the director's Abigail Child. Now, you guys, you you listeners out there, the hell with you. I'm not I'm not advocating anything. I'm not really uh, um, being an interviewer now. I'm just a freaking fanboy at this point because there's so many goddamn good films right now in in this three day bump. And I'm just if you look at the if you look at the freaking website, you just go, holy shit, I want to see this. Holy shit, I want to see that. And I mean, oh, yeah. But this this one just blew me away. Yeah, she's very well known. She's actually from New York itself, although she's traveling uh, right now. She's out of the country, but she'll definitely be available for Q and A uh, that day. And it promises to be a really exciting uh, documentary, kind of a cutting edge doc on where we're we heading with the robot. This, the, the robot revolution is coming, like it or not. <laughs> so here we are. And uh, but that's what the festival is about. It, I would say the difference that, that separates our festival from other sci-fi festivals is that we focus on what I refer to as near future sci-fi, something that's just around the corner, six, maybe a year or two or three, five years, something that's gonna is bound to hit us. Uh, that is just uh, we're, although there are some films that, that do, the setting takes place in, say, 100, 200 years from now. The vast majority take place maybe 20 years from now. And the amazing thing is that some of them are, are eerily sentient. For instance, there's a film called Zealandia that was directed, and it will be shown also on Sunday, by the way. It was directed in 2018. And the premise is that the world is ravaged by a virus. A massive virus, and we're all the and there's only one country, New Zealand, that enacts a wide country lockdown, and it's the only place on Earth where there is where the virus doesn't um, it's not allowed to uh, re, uh, you know, uh, disperse, and 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 the treatment of the inhabitants reminds me very much of what's actually happening in New Zealand and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> military lockdown is exactly so this is very eerie it, it was directed two years ago it's called zealandia so uh it, that's definitely going to hit home real real uh real hard for some people but uh what i found very interesting is we have a wide range of directors we have like hollywood directors for instance uh, doug petrie who uh, is familiar, you guys might be familiar, he's the one who's behind Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the 4400, Daredevil. He submitted a really charming little short called uh, Papa, which will be shown on um, Saturday and Sunday, as a matter of fact. It's one of those few that will be shown 
on both days, Saturday and Sunday live stream. Very charming and it's starring uh, Connacy Brown. As you know, he's from Shawshank, from uh, Highlander, from even uh, from the new um, uh, film, um, uh, the new film coming up, uh, what's that, uh, John Wick, number four. So uh, we also have a film directed by the writer of Manifest. Remember that show on TV that was, I think it's on his third season. Or he uh, is called The Last Starship, and it's uh, actually going to be screening on Saturday, September 18th in New York City. So, and then we also have indie shorts. And the, the amazing thing is they're all the high quality, the quality is it's just really right through the roof. They're, you can't tell the Hollywood from the non-Hollywood. They're all amazing. And the shorts and the very, very compelling sort of uh, films and um, documentaries. It's amazing what we, what producers can do nowadays. I mean, the the tools that are now available to even just, you know, a, a somebody, you know, an independent filmmaker can make a lot of these films look as good as, you know, these the flashy Hollywood productions. And I agree. It's it's some of these. I mean, just looking at the stills, these look like things I would expect to see out of a hall up out of a, a more high end holiday Hollywood production. And these things are ind independent. So, yeah, it's just amazing what the, what the tools are that are out there for filmmakers. Yes, uh, and that's why we emphasize the we have a section devoted to screenplays and, and on graphic novels because um, we feel that being that the technology has caught up with Hollywood standards, now what's going to save separate the film from another film is the writing, the characterization, the 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 directing. That's why we're focusing now heavily on, we have a whole division on screenplays, short and long-term and long feature screenplays, as well as graphic novels. So that's really uh, the focus. And I'm really very excited to have some amazing, in fact, there is one screenplay, the director might be attending, a director, the writer might be attending, it's called, and it's basically it's a documentary on someone who starts investigating the life of Philip K. Dick. And while doing so, starts running into some very bizarre and surreal situations, um, incurring paranoia, delusional thinking, and so forth. So it, it's hilarious. And um, so we, we have uh, some amazing writers that, uh, that have submitted uh, screenplays this year to our program. So really excited. That's our season. This is the second season we had that. We had uh, several hundred screenplay submissions. We have some interesting documentaries here as well. The one that caught my eye is called Deep Fake Therapy. And right. just to quickly read it, it's this documentary shows the very first experiments ever done in the process of grief in which bereaved family members are having an artificial video conversation with the deceased loved ones through the use of new digital technology and under the guidance of a renowned grief counselor. And this is something I would love to see. I mean, this is seriously, this, I mean, if it can work, this is kind of, this is the thing, this kind of technology, which is, you know, becoming more and more, you know, it's becoming more realistic from a lot of the stories that I've read on this particular topic. This could give people closure 
So this one's going to be a very interesting documentary and one that I look forward to seeing. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the story is very interesting. The director originally was a, originally was a live action. It was not meant to be a documentary. They're, all the characters in this are. But then a strange thing happened, which was that uh, some psychologists and doctors and mental health providers started watch the documentary and they realized this is all this is really something we can actually do and maybe and they started applying that very same technique and that technique it turns out to be really useful it, it, it does provide closure um to some to, to a good number of people so this is a clear instance whether what 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 is what was science fiction just a few months ago now is science fact so and this is where our festival open is opening up the space for for that to happen. So it, we're no longer there is no longer science fiction per se and science fact. Per, the two of them are are getting closer and closer. And nowhere else do we really experience that reality that in the last 18 months. And uh, I mean, really, it's, it's for those who are peak uh, dickheads, as yeah, they call. It was a, it's a really unusual period, but I'm sure they probably, and they're all in, in their kind of weird, paranoid sense, uh, appreciated it. Um, this sort of um, upside down world that we live in. And, um, but you know, the one thing I want to emphasize is this that although, you know, Philip K. Dix is known as a science fiction writer and he was also, in some ways, uh, promoted the, the insistence on two principles. Number one, the need for critical thinking, which is always the first thing to disappear is during very strange periods, and whether it be technology-driven or pandemic-driven and so forth, critical thinking. So always question the narrative and, who, and the reasons for the narrative and who's, who profits from the narrative. Because uh, if there's one thing we've seen and the way so many people are harping on each other's opinions is the lack of critical thinking. The lack of, of building a space where you can be respectful of the other person's opinion without necessarily, and really maybe even learn something from it. Uh, that's the first thing he said. Uh, and, and as a corollary, he says, never believe your belief system. What he, or he would actually say, never believe your BS. Um, because we all build reality tunnels, like way, how do we interpret, how we explain reality. But these are tunnels. This is how we filter reality. Those tunnels can be... You know, they can represent or reflect uh, accurately, and sometimes they don't. So always be skeptical. And that's why uh, Philip K. Dick had a series of uh, mystical experiences back in 1974. And he could have easily created a religion, a la St. Hubbard or Scientology, but he refused to. He thought, well, one day he thought that it, this, these mystical experiences might have had to do with the excessive use of amphetamines he was taking or he took. Uh, another day, he thought perhaps there were, uh, he was really connecting with God. Another day, he was just having a, a paranoid schizophrenic breakdown. Uh, on another day, he thought maybe he just made it, all, <laughs> made it all up. So, but that attitude is so important. So we can remain above this kind of uh, the, the hardening of the attitudes, which is really what's the, the result of so much disinformation or misinformation. So in that he show, in his writing, you can see that the characters are everyday human beings. They're not like superheroes. And that's why we try to, in, in our selection, to have films 
that that the characters are just everyday people. They're not necessarily they don't have superpowers or uh, or anything like that because I think we can identify with that because the key is to how to retain your dignity and your humanity while at the same time fighting all of these different uh, impersonal forces. And that's really a lot of what this work is about. You know, so uh, I mean, I'm really excited to have close to maybe a little over 100 shorts and it's one way or another reflect that kind of uh, um, that ongoing dialectic that it, so between the people and the technology. Um, so really excited to have that uh, this year. And I think it's a really good year because, as I said, it's about looking at science fiction as sort of a, a, a peak, a sneak preview of what of the coming of next year's coming attraction. So maybe five years from now. It's a it's, it's dramatization. It's almost a reenactment of what's going to happen in five years from now. Chances are, you know. So um, and uh, and you know we cover different angles. Some some of the films talk about uh, the robot revolution fully alive, and um, one of them was it's called the Uncanny Valley, and that's uh, it takes place in, in a kind of in, in maybe in fifty years from now. And then we have other films that are more um, your traditional sci-fi with a twist that do with. And so it all is really we have films for all all kind all tastes and, and, and experiences. And we've broken up the festival into different sections. Whether one is like international sci-fi, which we're covering countries from everywhere, from Japan, Korea. Uh, Mexico, U.S., U.K., Poland, Germany, um, Argentina, Brazil, so on. And, and then we have the best of PKD shorts. And then we have features. You know, we have a good number of features this year uh, that never got seen on the big screen. They were, uh, we have one called The Unhealer with uh, Lance Henriksen. Those who are familiar, he's the Bad Predator and uh, Millennium and a couple other shows. Uh, we have, um, we're opening up with Lunamancer and starring uh, Nikki Klein from Battle, Battlestar Galactica. Um, we have that one, that one, that one actually looks rather interesting. I'm actually curious to see it, to learn more about that particular one because. It just it, the the idea sounds interesting that that you have a scientist that's having to deal with this other worldly force and he's had he's, and I just the, the description really makes me interested in finding out more about it and going back to that Lance Henriks one one that one actually uh, is just it's it's really just to quickly read it is like a a botched faith healer on a bullied Botched faith healing on a bullied teenager bestows Native American powers that reflect any attempted physical harm back on the aggressor. So it's like he's basically and this and when the lifelong tormentors pull a prank that kills someone he loves, he uses his powers for revenge and goes on a bloody rampage. This sounds like a rather interesting type of story uh-huh. when you from that from that point of view. It's like is somebody that you know because you know these are some. Some have those powers, some don't, but a lot of it is based in faith. Like you were saying, you know, it's all about, you know, 
like PK, PK Deek would say, and you said it's critical thinking, you know, and looking at things and not getting caught up in your own BS. And this sounds like somebody who's gotten caught up in their own BS and these are the results. And so this one actually really sounds very interesting. Well, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of some um, anecdotal work I've, I've read uh, regarding voice to skull technology, which exists right now. They've developed mm -hmm. uh, voice to skull as a way of transmitting um, conversations, it, microwave conversations into people's skulls. And they think they're having, they're hallucinating. All of a sudden they have people talking to them saying, uh, you're this and you're that. Well, uh, I read the, from from person who had that experience and that the way, sometimes the way you uh, handle that experience is by kind of sensing aware in your mind's eye where that voice is coming from and then redirecting that energy back to the sender. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of similar to what we're seeing, what we see with uh, with uh, the unhealer. Um, and uh, so, you know, there, there's so much out there that it's clearly um, there, there's a lot of new development and research and technology that it's that is really uh, on the cutting edge, you know, and we, we, we explore it cinematically. Um, there is uh, Lunamancer. What attracted me about Lunamancer, which is the, is first of all, the scientist it does look a little bit like Philip K. Dick. He's got a goatee, looks like a young Philip K. Dick. And the story is that goes that his uh, sister has been wrestled. She's been like pulled away into a weird spiritual dimension. And this guy's out to get her back. Sister is played by Nikki Klein. And uh, he's got a strange way of doing so, using crowbars. <laughs> and um, so it's an interesting film uh, about that. You know, I, I think what, what I really, for those who are not familiar with Philip K. Dix, he had a sister who died shortly after he was born, maybe a few weeks after he was born. And uh, a fraternal twin. And um, he was obsessed. There was a part of him that was, that, 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 that was missing all his whole life. And he had these visions or in his stories of, of dark hair women. They always, his, his sister, a way of connecting to that part of him that left him. So, you know, when he was just uh, an infant or even before that. So I thought that, that that had, there was a resonance there that people would appreciate. Um, we have, um, on Sunday, we have a film called Rogue, R-O-O-G, it's an animation of an old Philip K. Dick story. And this is a stop motion animation. And it's a certain Sunday morning program. Um, and we have a, a short documentary, very short, called Thing in Itself, directed by uh, Russ Keel. And here he, he interviews um, David Gill, who is a blogger and a kind of a writer on Philip K. Dick. And, and he talks about Philip K. Dick's early life, where he lived, uh, Berkeley what what was happening it's an interesting documentary so it's a little that that actually will be shown as part of the best of philip k dick shorts um, one of the more interesting documentaries that you have on sunday is called lockdown oh yes that's right the doctor who fan survival guide yeah uh can we talk about that for a little bit Sure. I mean, they, they decided to, well, how do you, if you're a doctor who, how will you respond to a pandemic other than just 
going in your time machine and going to another place. You know, you gotta stay and, and answer the folk. The, the documentary is like a, it's like a kind of a mockumentary. You know, what? How do you go about it? So there are interviews with various uh, uh, Doctor Who uh, characters and um, representatives. And what do you do? How do you prepare uh, for the pandemic? And that was, uh, I think that was done early in 2020, fairly early, right? You know, I think June 2020. It's not sure, maybe only a few months after the pandemic. I don't even think even the director thought it was going to last as long as it has. So it's, it's all done in tongue in cheek, very humorous, you know, as if you're watching a Doctor Who show. And in fact, the producer of that documentary has been involved in, with Doctor Who in, um, in other seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's a it's a fairly long documentary, and, but it's really a very entertaining, amusing, and it throws a little bit of humor, which we all could use, uh, could use more of during the pandemic. Yeah. Lord knows. People take things way too seriously, and now you need to have that humor because the humor is sort of an escape valve. It's a way of leaving the reservation, even briefly, <laughs> way too serious. So, um, but no, this documentary is really is, is well done, um, and I thought we, it would be nice to include that, especially for all those Doctor Who fans. And let's not forget, we also have a documentary called We Come in Peace, Area 51, about the storming of Area 51, which is, uh, so the director went on to interview uh, some of the people and what made him go there, you know, um, not quite enter Area 51, but stay by the gates. And, and you find out that a lot of, they're surprisingly, many of them have very, they just, that you and I really is they're not w- way out, out of the reservation. They have some some of them really go there for for spiritual reasons, others for uh, there to investigate what's going on, what's up with the UFO phenomenon. You know, and I really want to mention that well, th- this uh, about something how this you the festival kind of morphs into we see uh, how it morphs into different uh, forms. Back in 2017. We had a festival, I think we covered that in, in one of our interviews, that had a, some of the panels included, um, one on remote viewing and Ingo Swan. But what's right. they had right, Jacques Vallée, right. Hal Pudoff, um, and it turned out, that for, you're familiar, that later on that year, Hal, Hal ended up joining TTSA to the Stars Academy. And that's the and shortly afterwards you had the whole disclosure, the announcement of these of the tic tac um, UFOs, uh, UFOs, and, right. and and so I would say, say just six months ago he was at our festival we were talking to him and now he's like running this he's like the chief, chief scientist of TTSA uh, Jacques Vallée whom uh, he hadn't done anything in UFO for years all of a sudden after a festival. And we see him everywhere talking about on the about the UFO subject. <laughs> Everything uh, old becomes new again when people finally realize it. Yeah, I mean, so it, it kind of like rekindles it. Now, uh, Carolyn Corey, she, we had a film uh, of her, a documentary on the it's called Aliens Among Us, and um, it had uh, Rudy Rudy Shield was a professor of astrophysics at Harvard and she we had a panel and he was interviewing her and we were interviewing I was interviewing her and Rudy 
about the nature of the UFOs, what does it mean? Well, Carolyn, Carolyn has gone on to bigger and better things. She's now on Ancient Aliens almost every other week. And uh, she's putting out some amazing stuff. So we have, uh, I like to see the evolution of some of our guests and some of our writers and directors, because usually you'll see that they're doing some amazing things. Uh, you know. So we really am very proud of that. Uh, just like we had uh, the Montauk Chronicles. Uh, it's called Montauk Chronicles. That's right. Back in 2015, um, presumably the Montauk Project. And then shortly a few years later, we had uh, the, uh, the uh, all of a sudden, you had Stranger Things appear on television. You know, the, fame, the show about the kids and they're being experimented on. It used to be called, originally it was called the Montauk Project. Now, the director of Montauk Chronicles, although they didn't get any credit for that show, went on to direct a series of, pro of uh, programs on uh, the dis was it Discovery, on the Travel Channel called Strange World. So it's great to see some of our alumni, PKD alumni, go on to do big, bigger and better things. And uh, So I'm hoping you know, that, that some of these... Uh, some of these year selections will uh, this will be a, a jumping board or for for the next project. Um, so so please please forgive this analogy. Then we're not just getting a sneak peek into ten minutes a year to five years into the future as far as what society would be like. We're potentially getting a sneak peek at who are who our writers and our our directors and producers of films in the future are going to be like be. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, got to see some of these people. Who, you'll, you'll hear of them in, in years to come. It's not. Oh, you, some of them you already have, such as Doug Petrie or, or Eric Haywood from uh, the, the show Manifest. But the ones that are undiscovered, uh, some of them will get through, and you'll hear of them um, uh, in years to come. Because uh, I think the our festival attracts a certain type of filmmaker. I mean, clearly, I love all types of sci-fi, you know, the Ed Wood style, like Planet Nine from Outer Space and so on. But, you know, we have a special fondness, our heart is, you know, a sweet, uh, a soft spot for the hard sci-fi or the kind of thing you would be associating with Philip K. Dick, you know. Philosophical, maybe it's better to call it philosophical sci-fi, not necessarily hard sci-fi, but it's philosophical. And uh, how about yeah. speculative? I like the term speculative when I'm thinking of Phyllis K. Dick because it's not just science. It's looking towards the future and speculating what is going to be the changes we're going to see society wise. What are the changes we're going to see in all of these different things? So to me, it's almost especially it's the best definition I can ever. It, when I try to explain Philip K. Dick to anybody else, I say it's not just science fiction. It's speculative fiction. It's looking towards the future. And what are we going to see five minutes from now, five years from now, 50 yeah. years from now? You know, what are what is it we're going to see? What's that likelihood? It's kind of what I like about his fiction and other people that write in that way that deserve that title, because it, it is it looks and it tells us what we could expect. Yeah, speculative, speculative fiction is, is a good uh description of what he did he liked to refer himself as a fictionalizing philosopher <laughs> that's uh, fair too he uh, uh was originally learned of him because i've always been a big fan of uh, borges the argentinian uh writer who um 
philosopher, writer, novelist. And uh, when I heard from Ursula K. Le Guin, another sci-fi writer, she said that Philip K. Dick is our own homegrown Borges. I thought, well, I gotta read this guy. So I started reading everything backwards in a, in a typical PKD fashion. I started reading, you know, Ubik and uh, Vallis and the transmigration of Timothy Archer, Divine Invasion, all mostly works that he did in late 70s, early 80s. And then I started reading backwards until I got to Man of the High Castle and some of these early stories. And um, so, yes, there is a mixture, a little of, you know, and the thing about his work is a mixture of philosophy, sci fi, theology, uh, Gnosticism, um, and just parapsychology, all sorts of things there. So that makes the story that more interesting. And um, he was very much influenced by the uh, European uh, current of writers, people like Flaubert, Balzac, and Proust, and so on. And uh, that's why he's, he's loved so much in France and, and uh, also in Eastern Europe. They love him there. He speaks to something that's not just about technology, but about how do how do you keep the human spirit intact? And what does it mean to be human? Uh, we're just I certainly at some point or another will uh, have to deal with that question as as our robots and uh, sex bots <laughs> become more <laughs> sentient. Uh, but let's face it, I mean the, the whole thing is very bizarre. Like if you're in Japan. Uh, the whole robot industry is just taking off. And um, basically what's going on is that in Japan, a lot of the men and the women are very shy. They're not really dating. And so there's a huge explosion for sex bots. It's sad, but that's really, to see, that's that's the future. And it, it, it might start, it's starting there, but I'm sure it'll be exported to other parts of the world. Because the one mistake that technology, or the, the illusion of technology, that it, it, it ties to replace the human condition with a, a, a quick fix. So let's say we are shy, you know, sometimes we just like our own people of our own tribe or how, what we look like. Someone who looks different automatically, there's an innate suspiciousness, but at some point or other, we are able to overcome it. If we try hard enough. But now with technology, you say, oh, you don't have to deal with that. Just go and check this app. This app will do it for you. And lo and behold, they find out soon enough that doesn't do it for you, that the innate condition is something we need to own up that's what makes us human. So I, was, I see a lot of the kids today, the millennials, and they walk around the street uh, with, you know, their eyes glued to the phone. You know, and sometimes they'll step, they'll, they'll step right into oncoming traffic. It's like they're oblivious. So I'm asking myself, is this because they're catching on the latest uh, Pokemon Go, uh, <laughs> or is this something that they really are uh, so engrossing? But uh, that's what technology does. Look, every generation has that. You know, in the 60s, you had a lot of people who were on acid and they were like stoned out of their minds. So I'm not I'm not a critic of this generation. Every, every young, every generation, you'll have people that will be entertained by the newest development. But we have to be aware. And, and so Philip K. Dick kind of like would, uh, would say that this is part of what's happening. We're kind of merging already. This idea of the cyborg happening is already here. Uh, it's only uh, once we, we, these things become implantables, so the ones that are connected to our being, to our biology, then we'll be fully cyborg, like, you know, but we're getting there. So You know, Dan, you in the five years that we've been talking, uh, actually, I, it may be more than five years, 
about the PKD Festival. <clears throat> it's always occurred to me because, you know, I've been I've been a fan of Phil K. Dick for near on 40 years. <laughs> and and he's been near and dear to my heart and mind right. for that long. <clears throat> and when your festival came into my point of view, it came into my purview, I said, how do we quantify him? And I looked at your rundown that first year that we talked, and then that second year, and then that third year. And then I realized in looking at it this year, is that we don't quantify him. We bring together all the divergent point of views that are him and let everybody decide. And that's what we've done again this year with the 2021 Philip K. Dick Film Festival, which is running September 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Producers Club Theater and Cinema in New York City. And it's put together by the impeccably bizarre but wonderful mind of Daniel Abella and his crew. <laughs> Dan, I can't thank you enough for coming on and just letting us pick your brain for 45 minutes. Thanks a lot, man. It's been wonderful talking to you again. Well, thanks a lot for, I mean, perhaps one day we'll meet uh, face to face, not virtually. Um, we're certainly hoping that maybe by next year we Things will return back to a more live environment. Um, it would be wonderful, man. It really would. I would love to come down yeah, and, and, and sit on a panel with you sometime and talk about our mutual experiences with with PKD and, and with the, the world that, that he has created for us all. But until then, you know yeah. what? Thank you for doing what you're doing. And well, thank you for this you. wonderful festival. Thank you for your support. And we hope to... Uh, uh, you know, keep the keep keep the ball rolling, and you know, there's always there's light at the end of the tunnel. That's what I would what I like to say. He always felt there was something there to strive for, and that's uh, where we can set ourselves up from a rock or a piece of furniture. Just like for these you. for these hundred plus films that you're showing, he definitely made that light at the end of the tunnel for us, and and thank you for bringing it to us. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot, and we'll I'll speak to you real soon. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com and don't forget to try the Watts sauce we have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp and a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying... 
Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime. Good night, everybody. And now for no particular reason whatsoever. Dr. K. That's my baby. No, sir. I don't mean maybe. Yes, sir. That's my baby now. Yes, ma'am. We've decided. No, ma'am. We ain't gonna hide it. Yes, ma'am. You're invited now. By the way. By the way. When we run to the preacher, I'll say. Yes, sir. That's my baby. No, sir, I don't mean maybe. Yes, sir, that's my baby now.